You're listening to the Health Coach Nation podcast. My name is Haley Rowe, and I'm a business coach for online health coaches who want to attract their ideal clients, stop feeling defeated by their never-ending to-do list, balance a healthy lifestyle with their growing business, and stop overanalyzing what everybody thinks of them so that they can confidently own their message and online presence. On this podcast, we dive deep into health information you can share with your clients, business strategy tips, and more. Let's get to it. Guess what? I have a new training for you. It is my free overwhelm masterclass and cheat sheet. And when you leave a written review on iTunes on the Health Coach Nation podcast and you email info at HaleyRowe.com with the subject line podcast review and a screenshot of your review, I will email you the free Overwhelm Masterclass and Overwhelm Cheat Sheet. So I cannot wait to share it with you, and thank you so much for being a listener on this podcast, sharing your valuable time with me, and now let's get into the episode. Thank you so much. All right, we are live. I'm here with Nathan Hirsch for today's podcast episode and Facebook Live, and Nathan is really a cool guy. He has quite the background in helping entrepreneurs um, outsource and grow and scale their business. And Nathan, why don't you introduce yourself and share a little bit about your background? Yeah, Haley, thanks for having me. I'm a, a longtime entrepreneur. I've been doing it for 10 years. I've never had a, a real job. And I really started in college buying and selling textbooks and eventually discovering Amazon.com before there was gurus and courses and Amazon software. And I built a, an Amazon dropshipping business doing everything manually before eventually learning that I had to hire people. I was going crazy. I was losing all my hair. I wasn't sleeping well at night. I was running this 24-7 business. And Eventually, after failing hiring college kids and realizing no one in the real world wanted to work for a 20-year-old entrepreneur, I got into the remote hiring space, the Upworks, the Fibers, and I always wanted a better, faster way than posting a job, getting 50 applicants, interviewing them one by one, and eventually I built my own marketplace, FreeUp, which I ran for the past four years. We were acquired 150 days ago, and we really scaled FreeUp practicing what we preached. We had an internal team of 35 rockstar VAs in the Philippines. They did everything from customer service to billing to recruitment to social media. And I'm a big proponent of hiring VAs to help you get out of the day-to-day -day operations of your business and helping you scale. And now that I'm removed from FreeUp, I'm launching Outsource School, a, an education platform to help people learn how to use VAs and interview them, onboard them, train them, manage them, and in the same way that we did to scale our business from $5,000 to eight figures. That is awesome. And I'm just making sure we're live over here on the phone here. So um, first of all, when you are growing a business and you're in that stage in the beginning where maybe it was scary to outsource or you didn't know how or you didn't you couldn't afford it how does somebody get started with something like that because even though you've been able to grow your business from nothing and losing your hair to working a lot to actually getting your company acquired growing it to over 12 million dollars um, what was that process at first though when you were starting to transition to outsourcing 
Yeah, I mean, it was scary. I think we did a good job on the financial side, like we always do. So we said, hey, our, we're making X amount of money. How much do we want to invest into outsourcing? And to us, outsourcing was just one of many different things we were trying. I, I tend to be the type of business owner that throw stuff against the wall and, and see what works and, and what doesn't work. And setting a budget for each thing helps me figure out, hey, can I make money on this? Can I see if this actually works before I run out of what that budget is? So we did a good job of setting that budget. And who's ever listening that, that doesn't know how to do that, check out, if you go to outsourceschool.com slash VA calculator, we have a free calculator that you can figure out, hey, how many VAs can I afford right now? Part-time, full-time, and that'll give you a good head start. But outsourcing, I mean, it was scary. We had no idea what we were doing. We were fortunate enough to hire this one amazing virtual assistant named Chicky Ann. And we've been working together for eight plus years now. I'm actually the godfather of one of her kids and we have a great relationship. But back then, I mean, I hired her and, and she was great. And I had some other VAs that quit on me and weren't listening and I wasn't communicating. And I went to her and I said, you're awesome. I love working with you. I don't know what I'm doing wrong with all these other VAs. Tell me, what well, what am I doing? I know it has to be some, at least part my fault, if not all my fault. And she was very honest with me. She told me that my communication style didn't work for people in the Philippines. They were shy. They couldn't handle my directness. That I tend to be a, as an entrepreneur, that I could be harsh, that I could come across as demanding and mean on emails and, and sending Skype messages. So I had to change my communication approach and be more, more warm and, and more friendly and be more clear when it came to giving directions. And I really asked her, I said, hey, tell me about all the great clients that you've had in the past and what they did, because I want to learn to be a great client for the virtual assistants. And she helped me do that. I love that. And I love that you are bringing up the fact that we as the business owner the communication is really key. It's not the virtual assistant's job to read our mind and be able to uh, know our style and all of that. Because I too think that I'm very, very direct and I don't ever mean anything in like a, like I don't overthink things. I, I just say what I say and I don't add drama. Like I don't think it's all the way through about what drama might be added or how it might be interpreted sometimes. But when you're working with a teammate, it's really important to start kind of thinking about that. And so what were some of the communication things you had to do to set expectations and be able to get the job done, but also do it in a way where your virtual assistant isn't like, wait, you know, I don't, I hate working with you. <laughs> it, it, it's one of the silliest things, but adding emojis to your conversation changes everything because I can say something that's direct and harsh, but if I add a smiley emoji at the end, that changes the whole dynamic of the conversation. Now, if we're talking step by steps, I like to go piece by piece and go through a system and I'll stop and pause and say, hey, any questions you understand that? Maybe I'll ask a question that has to do with what I just talked about so I can see if they really understand it. And only when I'm sure that we're on the same page, do I keep going? And if I can tell that, hey, somewhere along the line, we got lost or they're not following a direction here. I'm going to take a step back and say, all right, let's go through this again. Like you get this part, you get this part, you're hung up here. Let's talk it out. Let's figure out where that confusion is. And if you do that enough times, you get really good at making things clear and you can anticipate what parts people are going to read and not understand. Because as a business owner, you have so many things that are just in your head that you assume that come natural that, hey, anyone that owns a business or anyone that's run my business for three years would get. But you have to understand that 
these virtual assistants work for lots of different clients, lots of different businesses. People like the things certain way, good or bad. And you have to be able to clearly tell them what you like, what you don't like, how you do things at your business. And that's a skill that you can develop over time. Yeah, exactly. So part of it is making sure you're adding emojis, keeping it, reading through it and seeing if I what if it wasn't me, how would this be received? Um, what else do you do when it comes to bringing on a virtual assistant to because you and I had this conversation, you came into my, um, my group program and my traffic clients and courses program um, to guest speak and provided amazing value. And one of the things that I really took away from that was how to upfront be very deliberate in expecting uh, in explaining the uh, key success indicators with your virtual assistant and having a standard operating procedure and things like that. So can you tell us a little bit more about, let's say somebody's new and they need a virtual assistant to help them with social media management and a few other things. And maybe they just found someone, they feel pretty good about it, but now they're starting, it's their first day. What's kind of the processes they should go through? Yeah. So I break it down into what we call our IOTA method, which is interviewing, onboarding, training, and managing. And most people understand that in some capacity, you have to have an interview process. And then once you get them hired, you have to train them. And then eventually, once you've invested time into training them, you have to manage them and keep them around. What a lot of people forget to do is the onboarding, the setting expectations. And what we do is if you, let's say there's three VAs we hire, Bob, Jane, and Joe. And if if Bob stands out out of the other two, I want to hire Bob. I want to hire Bob at five bucks an hour. I'm going to offer Bob five bucks an hour. But with that offer, I'm going to make sure he's good with that rate because I don't want to hire someone who's unhappy with what I'm going to pay them. And then I'm going to go through what I call our sick method, which is schedule issues, communication, and culture. And we're going to make sure we're on the same page with all four of those things. Is the working schedule, are you going to be good with it? Is it graveyard shift? Have you worked graveyard shift before? What about issues? How fast is your computer? Do you have a backup? What, how often do you lose internet? How often do you lose power? Do you have a backup generator? Do you have a friend's house you can go to if you lose power or a hotel or a coffee shop? Communication. Hey, we expect you to have Viber on your phone. We expect you to know how to use Slack. We expect you to respond to emails within a business day. And then Finally, when it comes down to culture, hey, we don't put up with drama. We want to build a family environment. We want to teach others and work together as a team, not every man for himself. So getting on the same page with all four parts of the SICK method and then even giving them a chance to back out is incredibly important. I actually had this today. I'm filming for our first course, our IOTA method that's launching in March, and I was onboarding a virtual assistant. It was a fake onboarding, but the VA didn't know that. And, and I'd already done a few and I had offered her a lower rate than what she had wanted. She had wanted five. I said, Hey, we'll start at a trial rate at four just to give the people watching it and watching my screen a, a little bit of a new experience. And as we're going through it, halfway through it, she said, you know what? I've been thinking about it. I really can't work it at four bucks an hour. And to some people watching, you might be thinking, man, I just wasted that entire interview process and 20 minutes of, of the onboarding 
But in my mind, I'm like, I just dodged a bullet right there because if I had hired her at four bucks an hour and she had just taken it because I offered it and she just accepted because she needed a job instead of going through the onboarding and making sure she was actually good with it, that could have blown up in my face in two to three weeks or maybe even two months when I had invested all that time, money and energy into her. And yeah, I could have made the decision to increase her rate or whatever if I really thought she was going to be a rock star. This was just an example for the course. But the point is, if you spend the extra time going through all four parts of the sick method, you're going to uncover things. You're going to get a virtual assistant that maybe isn't comfortable with what you want and you want them to back out before you start training. Yeah, absolutely. I love that being sure upfront because the worst case that can happen is you're not up clear up front and you you don't explain the expectations or the person doesn't speak up about the rates or what they're, you know, they're not aligned and you get started and then things fall apart. So um, that's some really good tips. I love the way you lay it out in that structured way. And what would you say to somebody who doesn't really know what to look for yet in their business? They're just frazzled and they're like, nobody can write content like me or nobody can do uh, my reach outs like me. What, what would you suggest to them to get clear first? <laughs> so I, I steal this line from Alex Sharfin all the time. He was a, a really good client at FreeUp. He always says, if you think you're the only person in your business that can do what you do, I have news for you. You're, you're not that special. And it's always such a great line that resonates for a lot of entrepreneurs. There are people out there that can do everything that you do in your business way better than you. Now, a virtual assistant is a follower. You've got the VAs, you've got the freelancers, you've got the high level experts in the agencies and the experts in the agencies are bringing more strategy. The freelancers are more the doers. They're there to do graphic design or video editing or bookkeeping. And the VAs, while they might have years of experience, they're there to follow your system and your process. So you can't hire those VAs unless you have a system, you have a process, you've done it before, you could do it yourself if you have to. You can't just hire a VA and say, hey, I don't know how to run Facebook ads, go run my Facebook ads, here's a thousand dollar budget. That's probably not gonna turn out too well for you. You need a system, you need a process. So what you should really be looking at is, what are all the things that you do on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis? And write them out from easiest to hardest. And you can order them from tasks you don't like at the top to tasks that take up the most time at the top to maybe something that's so far below your real hourly rate. If your hourly rate's worth a hundred bucks an hour and you have a task that you think is worth five bucks an hour, get that off your plate first, but create that list and then start creating steps for taking those tasks off your plate. And I like to say it's a 90 day rule. So the first 30 days, you're you're kind of figuring out what's working and what's not working. I mentioned I like to throw stuff against the wall and, and see what sticks. The second month, you have a, a pretty good idea of what's not working. And you're going to maybe start writing that SOP. Maybe you start interviewing some VAs. By the third month, you have that process down. You've picked a good VA. You're spending that month really getting it off your plate. So by the end of 90 days, you're no longer doing that task. And I've had plenty of things that take less than 90 days, some things take more, but that's a good ballpark where, hey, stop adding stuff to your list every single week and start delegating and taking stuff off as you add on more higher level stuff. Yes, I've taken notes over here in the comments section for our show notes. And what we're gonna do too in the show notes is put the VA calculator um, and the link to your outsourcing school. So everybody who wants to catch the show notes later when this podcast is released, you can go to haleyrow.com slash blogs and be able to check that out. Um, on the blogs page, you'll see the episode and you can click on it. Now, the other thing I want to mention about what Nathan just said is 
I love that you have a process for even just everything, <laughs> even just getting clear on what you want to delegate. And what's cool about that too is what I teach my clients is how to do things like their organic outreach, uh, their Facebook posts, their their marketing plan, um, their sales calls and discovery calls. I give them processes for those things. And then what's, what they can do with that is show it to their virtual assistant or their teammate, have their teammate come in and have a look and use it to train them. And because you're so right, if you don't know what you're even looking for or like how to do something roughly yourself first, it's gonna be really hard to delegate. And it's gonna be really hard to know if the person's doing a good job if you don't even know what makes it a good job. Yeah. And let's take a, a simple task, for example, let's say going on podcasts. So you can teach a VA to do the entire process, which is doing the research, finding the contact information, taking or even writing your pitch, sending your pitch, sending follow-ups. You can teach them that entire process start to finish. It might take you a little longer to create the SOP, or you can just start at the beginning and say, you know what? I'm going to write the pitch. I'm going to send the pitch. Let me just teach the VA how to do the research, how to find the shows, how to double check. I haven't already been on them. And then maybe I, I hire two VAs to do that. One of them proves himself. All right, let's give them a little bit more responsibility. I'm going to give them three different pitches. I'm going to have them split test them, keep track of the results, send me them in a report or, Hey, I'm going to have them actually send the pitch to the person from my email address or say they're my assistant, however you want to go about it. So you can take any overall task, whether it's social media and you've got the content and the posting and all of that and break it down saying, hey, I'm going to do the higher level stuff until I master that. Let's get a VA for the smaller stuff to when you feel more comfortable having them take over more and more of that entire process. Yeah, it doesn't have to be all of a sudden somebody's full in on a big project. You can do this in bits and pieces. And I think that's how it works best too, to not get overwhelmed and feel like all or nothing and then never outsource anything because you're just freaked out. Right. Or you give them a process and the whole process breaks down because you didn't do a good job creating the full SOP and then you don't want to outsource anymore. And I think that's the other lesson in it is no one has a 100% hiring record, right? You don't, I don't, it doesn't exist. But the entrepreneurs that get to that 70, 80, 90% successful hiring rate rather than stuck in that 20 to 40%, those are the ones that grow their business, that don't go in circles, that don't deal with massive turnover. And that's how you take your business to the next level. Yeah. And for anybody who's listening and it's like, what's an SOP? It's standard operating procedures. It's your checklist for how you do things. And one of the things too that I want to mention about hiring and delegating is when you have a crappy, it's kind of what Nathan said, when you have a crappy process to begin with, that's not working for you. So for example, if you think, uh, it's a really good idea to be continue posting inspirational quotes on Instagram. And yet those quotes, A, aren't getting a lot of engagement, B, aren't making any money, C, like it's no purpose behind it, that you're, you're just going to put money behind something crappy, you're going to get more crap, okay? <laughs> so versus when you develop a good process that's working, like maybe you have a really strong, um, you know, outcome when you go on podcasts and you have a pitch system and it works and you're getting bookings and you just want to double down on that and get more of it and you put money behind that, then you're ma maximizing something wonderful and that's good. So make sure that when you're choosing on what to outsource first, you're picking the things that really matter and make a difference in your business and aren't already crappy processes that aren't working and you just think I have to do more of it to for it to work. 
that's not always the case, right, Nate? Such a good example. And I saw this in the Amazon space so many times because that, that's where the free up marketplace started with Amazon sellers. And they would take sourcing, finding profitable products to resell. And they would come up with an SOP and they would give the VA. They say, hey, I'm going to pay you for three hours. I need you to find me four profitable products by the end of it. Or let's say, let's say 30 minutes for this example. I need you to find me two profitable products in 30 minutes. And the VA would fail and the client would be very upset. And I would say, okay, like this is pretty easy. Create a video of you following that exact process and finding two profitable products in 30 minutes so they can see how you did it. And they would go through and try to make that video and then realize that after 30 minutes, they couldn't find a profitable product either. So their SOP wasn't good enough. So they would go back and refine the SOP and make sure that they could actually do it before they were teaching someone else to do it. Yeah, really good. Yeah. So what happens when you are hiring a VA and you're outsourcing, you're delegating, but what if you're, what if like, for example, I know some of my clients might be thinking, I don't have the time to set up an SOP or I don't want to go through that process. So I'm just going to keep doing it myself. What would you say to them to slow down and make that SOP? Like what advice do you have? So we're building this top secret SOP builder. You're the first person I'm telling publicly about it. So I'm excited to, to launch that, which we, we can't talk too much about. Um, so that's part of it. I mean, when you get really advanced, I have SOPs create, or I have VAs create the SOPs. So I'll hire them. I'll say, hey, I'm going to train you one-on-one. -on -one, and then I want you to do the task. I want you, we, let's say we record our training. You turn it into, into an SOP or you send me the rough draft. You get 80%. I'll get it the last 20%. So you can get creative. You can also hire experts to create the SOP for you. You can just use videos and, and add it, turn into text later. At some point, you got to have systems. You got to have processes. If it's all in your head, it, it's kind of like the getting hit by the bus theory. If you got hit by a bus right now, would anyone know how to run the process in your business? And if it's all in your head, that doesn't do you much good. And the last thing you want to do is teach a process to a VA. Maybe you don't do that process for a year and a half. You kind of forget the best way to do it. Then that VA quits and, and they take that process with them. You really got to spend the time to get it in writing. You can create very basic SOPs and, and kind of structure them in the form of, hey, this is why I'm doing it. This is the background. These are maybe VAs in the past that had success and failure. The steps, hey, this is step one, this is step two, this is step three. And then finally, the really important reminders or the things not to do at the bottom. And you, I like to find out, hey, what time of the day am I most productive writing? Let's say it's first thing in the morning. Maybe I chip away at it five, 10 minutes a day. By the end of the week, it's done. I got a little bit, let's say I got 80% of it done. I have the VA take it and, and take it to the next level and, and really own it from there. So you can get creative as you go about it. Yeah, one of my things that um, I learned from Dan Sullivan, who's an entrepreneur and has a bunch of books and um, is the leader of Strategic Coach, he always says, get something 20% started and then see if you can outsource it from there if it's good enough. And I, I don't know if you think that's a bad idea or a good idea, but <laughs> the point is get something started to at least you know, get the ball rolling and you can perfect it later on. Definitely. I have a VA I'm working with right now for lead generation. I told her up front, I'm like, we're going to do some experimenting. We're going to try stuff out. I want you to bring ideas to the table. I'm going to bring ideas to the table. I'm, I'm not going to give you a 100% done SOP. And if it fails, you know what? It, that's part of me throwing stuff against the wall and spending a little money here and there. And obviously, if I, if I was really penny pinching and I want to protect every single dollar that I spent, I would probably spend a lot more time really developing that process. But you can go about it by just getting that first part out there, trying things. Maybe I meet with her every single day and say, hey, this worked, this didn't work. 
and create the SOP together and try to come up with a system that works. Yeah, and I think it's important too to clarify the difference between working with a specialist, a virtual assistant, um, you know, a, a doer. Like you, you and I talked about this last week. You were saying there's three different types of people you can hire to help you, and you have to know which one you're working with because right. if you expect your virtual assistant to create your strategy for you, or you know, know how to like set up your email copy for you, like that is not going to work out very well. And you're not compensating them. You're not, uh, that's not what you hired them for essentially. Right. So tell us a little bit about the difference and, um, how to work with each type. Yeah. So you got the followers, the doers, the experts, followers are in that five to $10 range. Doers are in that 10 to 30 experts are 30 and up. They could be thousands of bucks an hour or whatever it is. And the experts come in with the strategy. They might be able to do execution too, but you want their experience, their systems, their processes, the things that they've done that have had success in the past. The doers, you got you got people that are specialists. They do the same thing eight to 10 hours a day. They're graphic designers, bookkeepers, writers. You're not teaching a graphic designer how to be a graphic designer, but they're not consulting with you either. And then you got the followers, the virtual assistants, the, the non-US and that five to 10 bucks an hour, which we've been talking about. They can have years of experience, but they're there to follow your system, your process, your SOPs. Can you get creative and a little bit more advanced and build the SOPs with them? Absolutely. But at some point you have to take control and, and take ownership of your systems and of your processes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So there's those three different types. And um, what would you say are some mistakes you see a lot of entrepreneurs making when trying to delegate or not delegate? So I see this all the time with diversification. People make a bunch of bad hires. They finally find someone they really like, and they just load that VA up with everything. And they don't realize how risky that really makes their business. And I had a situation where I hired what I call the manager of the day. And I spent six months training him to do all parts of my business. And I went on vacation and he quit on me six months of training down the drain. And I learned a very valuable lesson about diversification. I built out teams, a customer service team, a listing team, a repricing team. And, and if one person quit, I just plugged someone else in the team. Each team had their SOP. It didn't take me six months to teach someone how to be a part of the team. It took a week or whatever. And, and that's a much better way to go about it. So even if you have a VA that you really like, resist the urge, just load them up with all the important parts of your business, cross train, diversify, spread it out, Let's say that you can hire a VA for 40 hours a week, maybe hire two for 20 and then increase their hours. Really protect themselves. People get sick, people get pregnant, people have personal issues, people quit and you have to be prepared at all times. Yeah, that's really good. And I think it's the same thing with not delegating too. If you get sick or if you get hit by a bus, your business can't run without you. So you want to start gearing yourself away from being a one person, one woman, one man show. And number right. two, overloading one person, relying your whole business on them because turnover can happen, they can quit, et cetera. And really nothing is um, certain, obviously, when you bring on a teammate because there's always that risk that something's gonna happen or they wanna have a baby and start a family and not work or like whatever, right? So how do you um, kind of protect yourself when it comes to that? 
Yeah, I mean, there's no foolproof strategy. We do a lot at the expectations. And what I like to tell VAs is, hey, we don't work with virtual assistants that are, are one personal issue away from not being able to work for an extended period of time. And it seems like a silly thing to say, right? You can say that and they can still go out and do it, but it really sets the expectation across the, bar, the board. If you listen to people out there that have had bad experiences or horror stories in the Philippines, it's usually because that person had a large family, someone got sick, they had to take care of them, or they had some major health issue or something like that. And there's always a joke going around that that my VA had, had like 10 grandfathers or 10 grandmothers pass away in like two years, something like that. So you like to set that expectation up front. Hey, I'm supportive. If there's a personal issue, we're going to cover for you. We're going to help in any way that we can within reason. But you can't be one personal issue away from not being able to work from a long period of, for a long period of time. And if you do do that, the job's not going to wait for you. We're going to quickly move on. And, and that's why in the sick method, when you get to issues, you're covering personal issues, but you're also covering internet and power. Do you have a backup generator or no? If so, great. If not, okay, what's the backup plan? Because the backup plan can't be you sit there for two weeks and wait for power to come back. It has to be you travel somewhere and, and you want to work. And Yes, backup plans fail, but you can have a backup plan and good VAs have a backup plan and you can tweak that backup plan over time. So it really all comes down to the setting the expectations. And as you grow a big team, it's cool seeing what VAs will and will, won't put up with. I had Chicky Ann leading the pack to, yes, of course, she had personal issues just like all of us do, but she didn't let them interfere with work within reason that if there was a power outage she would communicate at a high level and communication is important and she set the tone. So as other people joined the team, they saw how she did it. If they, if they disappeared for 24 hours and didn't communicate, she would talk to them. So when you build that culture of, Hey, it's a fun work environment, but we have high expectations when it comes to growing the business communication, dealing with issues that tends to spread across your business. Yeah. And one of the things too, that I think is really important. I learned this past well, past couple of hires or people I've worked with, I really have started hiring based on character, what their traits are, how resourceful are they? Are they a go-getter? Are they motivated? Are they inspired? Are they into personal development? Like that's the kind of stuff that I look for these days versus in the beginning of my business, I think I was more focused on what are your skills? What are you actually able to do? You know, and stuff like that. And I think while both are important, it's much better to have somebody with a growth mindset who can who's kind of up for different things than it is to just focus on skills and maybe the person isn't as robust and character um, aligned with your business, right? Yeah. Right. So, at, I mean, attitude is so important. It's part of our, our care interview proce process is communication, attitude, red flags, and experience. And of course, experience, you want someone that has been a VA before, that has worked a graveyard shift before, whatever it is. But you also want people with a really good attitude that money isn't their top priority. They want to be part of a family. They want to be part of a growing business. You'll be able to get them to buy into your cause and, and what you're trying to build here. And, and you actually like working with them. I mean, the hardest part of selling free up was not being able to work with my amazing internal team there. And we made sure that they were treated well with the sale. But those are the kind of relationships you want to have with your virtual assistant where it's not all business and you find people with a great attitude that just like you that you want to work with. Yeah, I love it. Okay, last question for you. You were saying you're doing some lead gen and um, organic marketing with your own business right now. 
share with the audience. We have an audience of coaches. What are you currently trying, doing, what's working, et cetera? Yeah. So having an affiliate program is huge. If you haven't done that already, I not only recommend making it, but I recommend putting it on your website. I recommend telling all of your clients about it. I didn't for free up. I didn't leave one client call without telling them, Hey, by the way, we have this great affiliate program. This is what it is. Same thing. When I got to the time for hiring people to take phone calls and talk to clients, spread the word about your affiliate program. That's one part of it. And once you have that baseline of an affiliate program and not everyone's going to want to be an affiliate and you don't want to just work with people that are affiliates, but you can reach out to micro influencers and influencers. You can go on podcasts. You can do content swaps with people in your space that have the same audience, but do something entirely different. And you can also find different blogs and different places to, to, do backlinks and stuff like that. So really started off with some kind of affiliate program plus content of value, and then look for people in the space, whether it's other businesses, other influencers, uh, getting clients to promote you, doing content swaps with other vendors, whatever it is to really get that method out there. And you can use VAs and lead generation. I use them to get on podcasts. I used to use them for speaking engagements before I, I kind of took a step back from that. And then you can use them for virtual summits. You can use them to find influencers in your space that you might not have heard about or find people with a huge Instagram following, a big YouTube channel, however you want to go about it. Awesome tips. And I'm going to put the link to your outsource school for anyone who wants to get started with learning how to outsource and how to scale and grow their business um, in the show notes here and in the comments on this Facebook Live. And why don't you leave us with um, where they can find you and what the outsource school really is? Yeah. So check me out on Facebook or LinkedIn, Nathan Hirsch on both. Uh, check me out on Instagram, Twitter, the real Nate Hirsch. I'm pretty easy to contact. I love connecting with other entrepreneurs. So feel free to reach out and Outsource School is an education platform where we're going to teach you how to use virtual assistants in the same way that we did to scale multiple businesses and get acquired with, with one of them. Um, we're going to start off with our first course, Cracking the VA Code, our IOTA method, IOTM, which stands for interviewing, onboarding, training, and managing, that we're going to have a pre-sale on March 16th. If you want to get it at half off, we're going to open up for one week at half off close it, test it, fix any bugs, and then open it at full price going forward. So that's your one chance. Um, and then from there, depending on how that goes, we have so many ideas for mini courses from how to use a VA to get on podcasts, how to use a VA to run your social media, to software that I mentioned we're developing for SOPs and so much more. So we have a lot of ideas like I'm sure other entrepreneurs do, and we're excited about it. And it, it all starts with our first course on March 16th. Woohoo! Well, congratulations. I love that you're doing your life's work. And I also love your hustle t-shirt today. <laughs> and um, we will put all of that in the show notes. And I want to appreciate you and say thank you so much for teaching what you teach and being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Be sure to get your free gift over at HaleyRow.com by joining my email list. And remember, you can always connect with me and other health coaches in the Health Coach Nation free Facebook group where I post trainings and videos on how to take your health coaching business to the next level. Can't wait to connect with you. Have an awesome day.